I don't I really don't know if it's a million dreams. Used to have that many. But a lot of the stuff that we deal with now, right, they're just gone. It's just not that's not true. I mean we some of us might still have some stuff on the refrigerator we look at like, oh yeah, someday I'm getting to Jamaica. Wanna do that. I want a big house. On an island in Maine, which, by the way, I do want that. <laughs> and then I just got back from Maine uh, last night. Spectacular place. Acadia National Park is a must-do, bucket list place. It's fantastic. And the Rockefellers had built a massive estate out there on that island, uh, and uh, it is, is spectacular. He, the Rockefellers ended up donating a, over 1,000 acres to the United States government, which sounds stupid, right? Like, why would you give it to the United States government? But he did, and they built the Acadia National Park. Uh, Rockefeller had built miles and miles of roads there for his carriage rides he would take with his family, and, their, and, and it took them uh, 300 workers. All, I mean, it was crazy. And you can go there today. You can't ride on all of the carriage ride, uh, roads because some are still uh, part of their family, and you can't get on access there. But for $48, Linda and I took a carriage ride and felt like a Rockefeller. It only takes 48 bucks to feel like a Rockefeller. Amazing. But maybe our dreams are more like this. I really wish my mom and dad would stop yelling at each other. That'd be a miracle. I wish my wife and I could fall back in love. That'd be a miracle. I wish I didn't have to go to the doctor. I need a miracle. You ever need a miracle? One time I was sitting in the living room with my son several years ago, and Saturday afternoon in the fall, Justin looks at me and says, Dad, we need a miracle. At that moment, Scott Frost had dropped back to pass and threw a fairly inaccurate ball to a receiver who bounced off and then kicked off some guy's leg and ha- fell right into Matt Davidson's arms. And we had our miracle. My goodness. But we need more than that, right? We're in a message series taking a look at the miracles of Jesus, the greatest showman, right? And Jesus didn't do miracles to show off, but he did want to do, and he did do miracles to show people who he was. Let's take a look at this one. This is incredible. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, so what was right before this, right? It's like, we'll get there, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you back up. But immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake. While he sent people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Incredible words here. This is perhaps one of the best things Jesus ever said. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Ah. And Peter called to him, and this might be the stupidest thing a human being ever said. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. What did he think, right? Where did that come from? What had he been smoking? I don't know, right? Like, why did he blurt that out? But he does. (laughs) This is where it gets fun. Yes, come. Oh, boy. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And here's the greatest words ever said to Jesus. Save me, Lord. I don't know if you ever said that. But you need to. I mean, someday, I hope you get to a spot where you say those words to Jesus. Jesus, and I love this, immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. To me, this is one of the most telling moments in the life of Jesus. Okay, so immediately after this. So what had happened right before that? So let's pack up. He finds out that John the Baptist had been executed. And John the Baptist is not only a prophet of God, but he is Jesus' own cousin. It's his first cousin. So they're really close. And not only do they share bloodline stuff, they share faith things. So John is calling people to repentance, and lots of people are paying attention to John, and he's widely popular, a little odd. You know, he ate weird food, but, he, and, but, he, but, he, but he's executed. And word gets to Jesus. This messes Jesus up. I mean, can you imagine receiving this word? Your own cousin has been killed, beheaded. And Jesus' thought is, I'm going to be next. I'm going to be next. And Jesus wants just to get away. Right? Why wouldn't you want to just get away? Let's just go. And so he tells his disciples, let's go. Let's just get away from these people. And they get in a boat, and they're going to sail, and they're going to try to find some solitude, which was impossible. Jesus is experiencing great popularity. And people can see his boat. That's Jesus' boat. And they start walking the shoreline, and they just keep walking. And every little village they get into, they say, Jesus' boat out there. Let's go. Jesus' boat's out there. Let's go. Jesus' boat. So by the time Jesus and the disciples pull into the little port, wherever it is, there are thousands of people there. There are thousands. And Jesus just wanted to get away. Here's what, this is crazy. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I would not have been so kind. I would have just told people, I've had a pretty bad day. I'm, I'd like to, I'm sorry. Can you come back tomorrow? I'm sure you understand. My cousin was just killed. I'm in a world of hurt. See ya. 
Now imagine you being in the crowd, and that and if Jesus said that to you, like you, you had you had found your friend who was sick, and you needed to get him in front. You've been carrying him, or maybe pulling him in a cart for miles along the seashore, and you because you know that your only hope for your friend or your family member is Jesus, and you got to get him in front of Jesus. And this might be the only time, the only shot you got at him. To get him in front of Jesus, this might be the only day he gets a shot at Jesus' healing touch. And Jesus is like, I'd like to help you guys, but I'm tired. And Jesus doesn't do that. He has compassion on the folks, and he spends an incredible amount of time with them, teaching and healing. Then he feeds them. This is the feeding of the 5,000, where he takes a couple of little... You know, some fish and loaves and, you know, and it's another miracle. It's a miracle that takes place and everybody gets filled up and they have more than enough. And it's an amazing moment. And they come to the end of the day. And Jesus sends them home. He needs some time to go and pray. Now, he doesn't do that often. I think sometimes we like, whoa, you know, like he does, how often does he? We don't see a lot in scripture where Jesus says, I, hey, I, I need some time. I'm going. He prayed every day. He was a good Jew who they had, of course, they're going to pray, right? But Jesus needed some alone time, not to veg out, not to have a glass of wine, though he could have brought some water and still done it. Um, you guys not remember the first miracle? So he has it available. He can do this. And he's, just, he's not there just to kind of like, hey, I'm going to listen to some reggae and zone out. I'm just going to go pray. Think about that. For an extended period of time. I don't know what the average prayer length for uh, Christians today, but I'm guessing it's in seconds. It's not in minutes or hours. It's like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. We're done. Let's eat. Right? We don't spend a lot of time in prayer. We used to sing this song when I was a kid. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. And nobody, nobody really sang that with much gusto. Because like nobody prayed for a sweet hour. It was more like in a New York minute. Even that, we're not doing that, right? But Jesus found some great strength and courage during his time when he could have an extended period of time just to think and to pray. And I found that to be true in my life as well. When intense sadness or anxiety had come my way, finding some time alone with God by myself to talk some stuff out. Whether it was a walk in the woods or just a quiet spot in our church building away from the office just for a little bit of time. Jesus sends his friends off and he needs a place of quiet rest. So the disciples get in the boat. They must have thought Jesus would somehow find his way there. You know, nobody seemed to be concerned. Like, Jesus, you guys get in the boat, go back, I'll meet you there. And Jesus, you think this is a good idea? Um, can we just leave Andrew here or maybe Peter? We don't think you should be alone. But Jesus was fine, sends them all. And during that period of time when Jesus is praying, the disciples are in the boat, things get pretty rough. They are scared to death. These experienced men of the sea, many of them had grown up in boats. They were very comfortable and very aware and could handle almost any situation, are fearful for their lives. 
I mean, if they're scared. I've been in some pretty rough seas, at least I consider them, uh, on, you know, on Lake Zerinsky. Um, not really, but like in, in, in Alaska, we're... And uh, now Linda, she is fine with that. She's like, oh, cool, a puffin. And I'm like, a bathroom somewhere. Uh. And Jesus, about 3 o'clock in the morning, comes walking on water. It's the first miracle. There's more. He's walking on the water, and I love that math records that he's about to pass them. That he wasn't going to help him. He was just going to walk on by like, hey, way to go. See you. Hey, see you in a few hours. Good luck. He's just walking past them. Fascinating. This made the disciples even more afraid. So much for, they're, they're so afraid. They go, it's a ghost. And they think they're going to die. Jesus says, says these amazing words in Matthew 14, 27. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Would the presence of Jesus in your life be enough? Right? Or would the presence of Jesus scare the living tar out of you? If you saw Jesus, would you go, It's a ghost! Oh no! Or would you say, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you've been through a storm in your life. Things have been pretty rough and you didn't know what to do. In fact, you might even have blamed God for the storm. You don't want anything to do with him. You got in the boat and floated away from Jesus. Think about that. That's what kind of, you got in the boat and you floated away from Jesus and a storm happens. Even when it comes your way. Even when Jesus comes your way, it wasn't what you wanted. You ever been in a rough go with your life and Jesus came your way and you said, you know what? I'm blaming you for my mom and dad's divorce. Blaming you for this. But now when you look back, some of you look back and you go, oh, I was sure glad he was with me. Peter hears Jesus say, it's me, it's me. And Peter says the craziest stuff, Lord, if it's you, uh, tell me to come out there. And I think that's a crazy statement. And Jesus says, it's me, come on in. It's come on. And he calls Peter out of, the moment, out of the boat. And at that moment, the second miracle takes place is that Peter walks on the water. Are you kidding me? It's one thing for Jesus, right? Okay, son of God stuff, yes. Miracle man, yes. But Peter, a human being, human beings don't walk on water. In fact, it's even worse than that. Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. <laughs> what, does, what happens to a rock in water? Bad things. What if you were to ask Jesus this question today? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there. Lord, if it's you, Tell me, have you ever asked that? Have you ever asked that question to Jesus? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there. See, that question scares us to death, right? It's like, no, I'm not. Because <laughs> if, if, if I ask that question to Jesus, you know where I'm going to end up? 
Bible college, Mexico mission trip, helping down at the open door mission, coming here on a Wednesday night to work with middle school kids. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there. So you might not walk on water, but if you ask this question, here's what you might do. You might walk across the street to your neighbor, who you yet don't know their name. But you're a little annoyed at their activity. In fact, you're a little judgmental of it. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there. So here's Pete. Now out of the boat. He's now out of the boat. See, I think this is is a crazy thing. I think every single one of the disciples could have got out of the boat that moment. I think 11 out of 12 of us today won't ask the question, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out. We would just rather stay in the boat. That's the percentage. I'm guessing 11 out of 12 of us today will never say to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out because I just might end up at a campus in Benson I don't want to go to. I just might end up in a place I'm not comfortable with. I might end up right in a spot. But you, what might happen is you might walk on water. I think every one of the disciples could have walked that on water that day. I think it was for everyone to do that day. I don't think it was just for Pete. For Pete's not. It was for everyone. Everyone. We didn't need a stinking boat that day. Crazy. Far too often, far too many Christians and far far too many churches will stay in the boat. Scared. So Pete sinks. Sometimes people think that's the point of the story. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Pete walks on water. That's the point of the story. Yes, Pete sinks. Wish that wouldn't have happened. But he does. And he says the greatest words to Jesus at that moment. Lord, save me. And immediately, and I love that, immediately. It wasn't like Jesus toyed with him. How do you like me now? Right? He grabs his hand immediately. Pete is so close to Jesus that he could touch him. Right, wait. um, Sometimes you can be really close to Jesus and still sink. Let that be a warning to all. We still might be really close, but if we take our eyes off of him for just a second, everything could go down. Everything. Jesus grabs him, pulls him up, and they walk on water again. He's not dragging him like, he's not doing that, right? They're both walking on the water again. So they're both walking on the water. They get to the boat, they climb in the boat, and everything calms down. The wind and the waves calm down. I can just imagine they're soaking wet, dripping. 
And it's not just Pete and Jesus that are doing it. All the disciples are what happened here? Check this out. I like how Mark records it. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. And they were totally amazed. Why were they amazed? For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. They had forgotten that he just fed 5,000 people. and He's the source of life. <laughs> See, even sometimes when we... Have, have you ever forgotten the miracle that he's done in your life? Have you ever forgotten a moment where... Oh, yeah. You, did you forget that he saved your marriage? Or your bankruptcy saved you from. See, sometimes I think we need to be reminded. In fact, in a little moment here on this campus, I'm not sure about the other campuses, but here at this campus, we'll, we'll get to watch a baptism. Here's what I want you to do at this place. Remember yours. Just like the wind, and, or the, just like the waves crashing over, Pete, move, push, water. Back at that moment. My guess is all of us have those moments when we look back in our lives and think, if only I would have kept my eyes on Jesus. If only I would have kept my eyes on Jesus. I could have avoided this entire mess. Haunting question, why did you doubt me? Why so little faith? How many times have he wanted to say that to me? Why didn't you doubt? Why, you know, why, why did you doubt me when it came to my instructions on relationships or money or uh, marriages or raising kids? Why did you doubt me? Why did you go? I don't. I'll do it. I'll just. I'll try to walk on water my own self. So they get in the boat, and the third miracle happens. The wind and the waves calm down. Mark says that um, they, in this in this version, it says they were totally amazed. In other versions, it says and they were terrified. It wasn't that Jesus walking on the water messed them up. It wasn't that Pete walking on the water messed them up. It was the fact that when they got in the boat, everything got better, and they went, "Who is this guy?" And they worshipped him as the Son of God. I do have to wonder occasionally when down the road here they, they, they're they walking along the seashore and they're, the waves are kind of hitting their toes and their sandals. And one of the disciples said, hey, uh, can we do that thing you guys did? And Jesus went, ah, a kind of a one-time thing. Not really a showman. Jesus. But I think that Pete and Jesus locked eyes and they thought, that was a great day. That was so great. Because it was the day that the impossible became true. Let's pray.
God, I really hope today that the impossible will become true for somebody here right now. Because they will say to you, Lord, save me. And you will grab their hand and pull them up. Somebody might be praying that right now. Lord, please save our marriage. Please save my family. Please save me from my sin. And that you would grab their hand and lead them. Christ, we pray.